Welcome to this week's episode of The Full 90. I'm Trisha. I'm back this week. Got no commitments, which is great. Um, although we do have our ring in again this week in Dom, who is filling in for Kieran. And we also have G with us. How's it going, fellas? It's going good. It's going good. Our victory won the FFA Cup on the weekend, so I'm still in a good mood. How awesome was that? I mean, at least we can think about that rather than um, the results from last night. But to see this side come from from Wooden Spooners last season to holding some some trophy in hand, that was pretty freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too good from a Sydney's fan perspective. Obviously, don't don't get along too well with the victory supporters there. But you know, it was good. It was good to see someone else besides uh, City or Adelaide win it because. But that's, that's kind of been the story of the FFA Cup since it started. But no, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Obviously, uh, the gaffers had a word to me again this week, said um, I'm back coming off the bench. So I love coming off the bench. You know, I get, I get to see what's happening in the game, come on, and then just kill it. So, Oh, no, we definitely love having you here. Um, you love Kieran too, but yeah, um, he's out for um, personal things this week. But let's get straight into it. Uh, we've got a little bit more uh, games to talk about, which is good now. We're making up for, for those that we've missed throughout the season. Let's take a look first at our Sydney FC and Adelaide. So this was our round 13 clash. Um, gee, I can probably take the words out of your mouth and say, what the hell is our boy Elvis Kansoba doing over there still? And why did he not do it with us? <laughs> Every week you see Elvis Kansoba on the scoreboard and you're just like, where was this at the victory? I mean, you can criticise Stephen Corica for some things he's gotten wrong this season. He's gotten the best out of Cam Sober. Uh, even Musket at the victory couldn't get this type of play out of him. He's been just something else this season. I don't know what's going on. It's not yeah. the same man. I'm telling you that much. It's not the same player. It's a clone. <laughs> he was right on it from the start as well. Like, his goal come in with, within the first 10 minutes. And it's just, you know, the opportunities that he's getting, you know, in that, in that attacking line and, I don't know if he's just working alongside, you know, the the Sydney squad a bit better than what he did at Victory, but I think it'd have to come down to that considering, you know, he had a bit of time with us. Yeah, I think for Cam Sobar, he was always one of those kind of meme players. He was always in a great position. He'd just mess up the goal somehow. But I loved him personally when he was playing for Victory. He was obviously he wasn't getting the goals, but he was just always in the in the right position, right time, making these great runs. He's got great athletic ability, but I'm loving him so far as a Sydney fan. He's just been an absolute revelation for us. And it's one of many players that have just turned in from a rotation player into just an absolute, you know, a, a key member of the starting team. And it was a really big result for Sydney. Now they sit third on the ladder and with a win could be first by the end of this round. So um, as, as G's noted here on, on the rundown, obviously Tommy, Tommy Hewitt-Bell's had an absolute stellar night and he has been phenomenal since Andrew Redmayne's been out like, I'd really like to see him start another week when Redmayne comes back and just keep pushing Redmayne because if you have two players fighting for one position, it's a win-win because you're going to get the best out of either one. But it was a very good game for Sydney. I was very happy. Yeah, well, he was only he only conceded the one shot out of nearly the 10 that he faced. So that's a, a phenomenal effort. And, you know, Mork's goal as well. You, you give him credit for that. But I, yeah, he would bell. I've been quite impressed um, with his efforts. And I think he's a great, I don't want to call him a backup, but now Sydney have got those options should, you know, they need that going forward as well. 
Yeah, I think um, with Redmayne kind of solidifying, well, not really solidifying, but he is almost that third string keeper for the Socceroos now, and he'll be on international duty a lot more. So having someone like that at the club is just an absolute massive utility to have. And even Redmayne's prone to a mistake here and there. If he's out of form, then you've got Hewitt Bell. You know he's a very quality keeper, and I'd like to see him eventually take that starting role away from Redmayne if Redmayne gets a move abroad or just knocks him out of the starting lineup completely. I think it's a great story. Yeah, and another fixture that we'll look at, uh, this was a round seven makeup game in Western United and Western Sydney Wanderers. United got up 1-0. Um, the game note here, this is exactly what I was thinking when we had to talk about this. Different coach, same story. It's just, it was a repeat of what we've been seeing. It's ingrained in the Wanderers. It's just ingrained in them. They cannot put a consistent run together. They this side cannot get it together. I think the way I've seen it, like the, the equivalent of like Port Adelaide in the AFL from like 2016 to 2018, when they just they have good patches then and there, but they could never like fully string it along. They're, just, they're a bit of a tease, the Wanderers. Like their team is so good on paper. They've got Radan in. Radan's a very good like meat and potatoes manager. And just if there was ever a, a win just to send a statement that Radan would have loved to have gotten all three points, this was the game to do it against his old mob that gave him the arse. Yeah, uh, as you said, different coach, same story. I like the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks because it's just the same old thing for Western Sydney. They dominated it on paper, no doubt. Almost double the shots and 61% possession and not being able to walk away with a win. Even a point there is very, very disappointing. Obviously, Western United are a quality outfit, but you'd think with a bit of momentum, a bit of new coach spark with them, they could have got a result, but they still couldn't. And perfect ground for me, if you ask me. Yeah, and you did mention Western United, sorry, being that quality outfit. But they're also a side that I feel you could have got a win against if you needed that win and you went in with that little bit of, you know, that fight to get that and you still couldn't do it. They're an interesting story. It's, you, you have to start to think at this point, is it psychological, is it mental in this group now, but it just plays in their mind, but it's the same story year after year and we just can't break it. Yeah, definitely. But I guess we'll have to see how that goes um, in the fixtures ahead. Some other games this uh, this past round, I think Dom will want to make note of this one. Uh, do you want to go straight into it and have some bragging rights? <laughs> well, you know, I like to think of myself as humble. Sometimes my stomach's full from how much humble pie I swallow. But, you know, I did call it last week. I had to double check with G, but I did call it. I'm fairly confident. 99% I called Newcastle beating Brisbane. Not the biggest upset, but still a great result for Newcastle. This young Newcastle team, you could just feel they were on the brink of something and they got a result here. So I'm going to keep my ego down a bit. I won't mention it too much, but great prediction from me there. I'm pretty sure you did get it. I still edited the podcast last week despite not being available for it. And I listen and some of the calls that I, I think all you boys made it just like, oh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, no, it was a good it was a good one to, to not afraid to put my I'm not afraid <laughs> to put my, you know, my knowledge on the line. And there's a bit of pressure on me this week to pick an upset. So <laughs> I, might, I might go quiet for a bit and just do focus on that for the for the next part. Looking at the other fixtures, um, I didn't put this on um, on the record, but if you ask my partner, I was correct. Um, I said to him last night that if Wellington were going to take the opportunity and get a win after, you know, um, despite their efforts, you know, 
they deserved a lot more, I think, than what they've achieved this season. It would be against um, Melbourne Victory, and I was unfortunately right on that one. But I don't know. Victory just seemed... Look, they've got, obviously, the FFA Cup last weekend and um, with the turnaround of games this weekend, they've tried to change things up in terms of their starting 11. I don't know if that contributed to it much, but when you've got Economitas starting and Rojas still on the bench, you've just pretty much a direct swap. I don't really know if you could blame that. I think it was just, it was always going to be hard to get up after a big match like that. I think they had a hard four contest on um, Saturday. They had a midweek fixture. Granted, Phoenix also played over the weekend, so you'd think that it wouldn't play too much into it, but obviously didn't. Piscopo score, scoring them. He's been a shining light for the Phoenix. Him and the young Paulson between the sticks, who's been in the keeping position up. Those two youngsters are keeping this team afloat. And I'm really lucky with they brought. Yeah, and for Wellington now, like they're a few games behind everyone else. They could easily push for a top six spot come the end of the season. And some good form, the last three coming wins. They're, they're looking all right. And I think they could be in for another good week if they keep uh, this consistency together. Look, we've said it before, but they've practically held the A-League season together this season. You know, willing to come across to Australia and play their home games here. And I think it was just with so much pressure, you know, around the club, despite all that, they've still been able to put in some quality football. And they're they're enjoyable to watch. This game, especially the first half, was a little bit slow, but their their younger players are really impressed. And you can show this, you can see the signs of emerging talent. Yeah, 100% for the Phoenix and just New Zealand teams in general and Australian sports. I feel like the whole country is getting behind them. They're kind of everyone's second team because you just you feel so bad for them that they haven't been able to play at home and everyone's making the obvious point that they should play every game when the border's open. They should play every game at home, which is absolutely justified. But everyone kind of gets behind them. Massive result for them. And like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if they push for sixth or fifth come the end of the season. Is that going to be your next prediction that probably will come true? <laughs> well, that one might get up. I said that Brisbane were going to make the finals at the start of the season. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, just, okay. just let me say it and it'll happen. Anything yeah. you want, just, just let me say it. Oh, Dom speaks magic words. <laughs> we need to try it for other things. Uh, to sum up the, the round at the weekend, we had Wellington also take a 3-1 win over MacArthur. So there we go. That was another great one, um, contributing to the push for the top six. And Tuesday night, we also had City take home a 4-2 win over Newcastle. That game was a makeup from a round seven clash, I believe. That one, another one before we move on. I don't want to touch on it too much, but... Watching, I was like, what's what's going on here? It was a little bit slow. Then, bam, I checked the scores and we had six goals. <laughs> That's just Melbourne City for it. They know how to pile them on. They Once they get a rhythm going, they then they start to pile them on a bit. And you, I think we saw it against the victory in that derby, in the Christmas derby, where they were struggling a bit. But once they scored the first one, the second one followed quickly. And this was a similar story here. When you've got the likes of Naboot and McLaren and even Leckie in your side, you're going to find the back of the end didn't have a problem once they started going, four goals. Finding the back of the net's never been a problem for City, but this season their defence has been a bit of a worry. They've conceded the second most amount of goals in the A-League. And, you know, that that would be a little bit of a concern there. They, they still have a positive goal difference, but to be that high up the ladder and only, you know, only have a four-goal difference, 
little bit worrying, just a tiny bit. But as you said, you know, their quality up front just makes up for it. So they're getting away with it for now. But I wonder if that'll come back to haunt them towards the end of the season. Well, you'd say a lot of that is to do with the fact that they haven't really had Curtis Good in the side for many of the games this season. You feel like once Curtis Good comes back in, he'll see the ship from down back. And I feel like for Kisnorbo, he's probably going at an attacking philosophy. Well, if you score more, you'll win more. And it's been paying off. Yeah, we'll definitely just have to see how it goes. Uh, they don't have too much of um, opportunity, I guess, in the fixture ahead um, with our big... Um, push to fill up all the games. Uh, they're only playing one game in this next block of um, fixtures. Um, that one is against Western United on Feb 12. So that would be Saturday. We've got a big fixture of football though this weekend, which is what we want to, um, what we'd like to see. We start off tonight with uh, the Mariners taking on MacArthur. Again, that is also a round seven uh, makeup game. Uh, but then, yeah, going through, we've got tomorrow night, Western Sydney Wanderers and Melbourne City. Uh, we could keep going through this, but maybe we'll pick out a f- couple that take interest rather than going through the abundance of games. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure Don would like to speak on this as well. Sydney versus Western United in a couple of days' time. I'm really looking forward to this Western United. Been a surprise package of this season under Aloisi. I don't think we expected much of them, but they've been really well and they've led the table at some points. Sydney FC as well. Bev starting to hit some form. So it's going to be a really competitive fixture. I'm really looking forward to see what these two sides bring up. I think it's a real big test for both sides just to kind of see where they're at now that the season's back in full swing, kind of getting your full strength team back. Be a really massive game. Obviously, the get the game of the round, you got first versus third playing. But I think it's a massive test for Steve Corker as well. As I've said numerous times, there's pressure on him. And if he can get this result, I think that might just push back, you know, some of those rumours and swirlings that he's, he might be out the door soon, just for another couple of weeks. So I think it's a, it's a big game for him, apart from all the players. I just want to touch on the Mariners for this, um, this block of games. Um, so we have teams like MacArthur and Brisbane who will be playing two fixtures in the next six, seven days. Mariners have got three. Uh, how do we think that that's going to to play out for them. They've uh, broken it up so that you've got the 10th, the 13th and the 16th. So they're not quite close to each other, but I still think it's a lot. It is a lot. It's it's a load. I'm sure they probably would have expected it to happen. I think most coaches would expect it, but there's just going to be a carnival of football now. There's going to be matches on pretty much every day. So I'm sure they expected it. They would have prepared for it, but obviously fatigue is going to kick in when you're playing essentially free matches across every three days, pretty much. Yeah, I think this is the biggest test for their squad depth to see how much uh, they they rotate some of the youngsters in and be interesting, interesting to see what games they prioritise because when you look at it, the, the teams they're playing, you know, it's, it's not the hardest competition besides MacArthur, which they'll probably win anyway because MacArthur have been in poor form. But, you know, it, it could be a good chance to get some of those youngsters, get, get some more minutes under their belt and... Yeah, just, you know, kind of give give some of the older heads a bit of a rest and it's just going to be massive for them. Hopefully they, they get away with it without many injuries because many of those injuries to the older players comes from these fixtures have bundled together. They play too long and something goes wrong. So let's, let's hope that doesn't happen and they can get some younger faces going there. Yeah, and drawing from the FFA Cup again, I was really impressed with their, their performance. I know their, their goal came quite late, but... 
I think they did really well in holding our uh, victory in first getting that first goal. Um, if they play with that sort of, um, I guess, not so much intensity, but just the way they did, I feel like they'll be able to, they'll get two wins out of, out of the three easily. Um, they're just another side. We've mentioned it earlier on this pod, but they're, they're that side that you don't hate and you like to watch and see how they're going. And I've it, it's been great to see them push and just do a little bit better than what they have in previous seasons. Um, can I make a slight, can I make my prediction for the week? I've, I've locked Go it in. It. You've locked it in, yeah. So I was going to say Central Coast, but I think that's just like a guarantee. But I will go for another MacArthur loss. Brisbane will beat MacArthur. Easy. I think that's I think that's almost a guarantee. I'd be shocked if they didn't, to be honest. All right. Well, you'll have to be on here next week to, to tell us how that one went. <laughs> Depending on the result will depend on my availability next Thursday. Were there any other games that either of you wanted to touch on before we move on and look at the women's action? Not particularly. I'm just looking, to be honest, given about all the postponements, I'm just looking forward to every game. Just the fact that there's going to be games and a lot of them, I'm just looking forward to that. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's not so much a, oh, there's so many to go through, but I think it's just everyone's excited that we finally have some action and not to mention AFL again on a football uh, podcast, but when they did their there's what did they call that it wasn't a carnival but when we had games every night it was just exciting to come home from work and be like you've got something on the tv and you know it's going to be hard on the boys in terms of like um or even for the for the girls who are playing double headers but as fans it's we love it this is what we want basically every sport's going off now like the nrl all-star game this weekend that's that's massive for us sydney siders i don't think you Victorians know anything <laughs> about that, but that's massive for us. We've got NBL basically every day. You've got A-League and then you've got international football coming back as well, all the leagues returning to their normal fixtures. So there is sport on nonstop and I'm loving it. Let's look at the women's results from the fixture. Uh, they still haven't been too affected by it, which is good. We had five games at the weekend. Uh, these results saw... Adelaide take a win against Newcastle 3-0. Victory uh, took a 2-0 win against Wellington. Canberra and Perth drew 3-0. Melbourne City took a 2-1 win over the Wanderers. And Melbourne Victory took a 1-0 win against Newcastle. And look, I don't, I didn't have too much time to get across all the games, but we'll comment first on Victory, obviously. They take my precedence. It's good to see that, you know, that little slump that they had has really been pushed aside and uh, the girls have found their form together, especially in this game. Um, the the Newcastle clash, uh, Brooke Hendricks, the American debut, um, debutante, sorry, she come in and uh, our usual attackings in Kyra Cooney Cross and uh, Chidiak just couldn't find the net. There were so many opportunities. I think it was like, 19 to three scoring shots at halftime and we hadn't found net. And then we've got this central defender that comes in in the second half and scores the only goal. It was, it was freaking cool to watch her debut on and the way she did. Yeah. you t- Listen, in terms of goals, you take them any way you can get them. <laughs> Basically. Um, the thing, the good thing of the victory is they've routinely in the last couple of weeks found a way to win even when they haven't been playing the best football. And I feel like you feel like the best teams find a way to win no matter what. And they've had players out. They haven't had their strongest side, but they're still managing to get results. I think they're not playing the greatest, but they'll take confidence in like, all right, we're not at 100%, but we're still taking victories, which is, at the end of the day, three points is three points. 
and Jeff Hopkins did say that uh, in his post presser that he thinks that his side were missing 5% of the intensity that they should have um, brought and that probably would have saw them with a lead or cemented a, um, uh, their position early on in the game. But still, if there's, I think there's more than 5% from those girls, especially from that attacking line. There's some, some brilliant young names. And um, yeah, I just think, like you said, a goal's a goal, but once they're on and they've really gelled together, the victory um, forward line looks very dangerous. I think for victory, they've still got two games in hand on Adelaide, and if they win the next two, they can go as high as second. So it's really competitive for those kind of spots from two down to five when you've got the teams like City, Adelaide, Victory, and Perth fighting for it. So it'll be a really interesting couple of weeks with a couple of those teams facing off. But um, I just wanted to quickly touch on the Wellington side of the victory game. It's so tough to just see them go down again with me and Jay and Kieran have been saying the last couple of weeks that you, you can just feel it coming for Wellington and it just wasn't this week. So it's very, very tough. Still think that first win is just around the corner, but I think, I think it would be even more interesting to see who gets their first win, Canberra or Wellington first. You feel like this stage is probably going to be Wellington. Yeah. Look, I know obviously Canberra, they rallied late and able to get a point against the glory, but I feel like overall Wellington probably have the momentum coming. I feel like you've seen a gradual improvement from when they first started round one to now. Whereas with the Canberra, they've been really consistent. They've copped injuries. There's There's been a, a plethora of just problems and they just haven't been able to get it together. Whereas the Phoenix haven't had that issue. That issue was, well, we've just got a largely inexperienced team and over time, they've just gotten better and better. And I feel like it's coming first for the Phoenix, their victory. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's too far away. Let's touch on the fixture ahead for this weekend. We've got three games on the Sunday uh, that sees Perth take on City, Brisbane takes on Adelaide and Newcastle versus Sydney. And then on Tuesday, we have the Wanderers and Canberra. That's a round five makeup game. Uh, so not a big fixture this weekend for the women's. Nevertheless, though, still a couple of good games in there that I'm looking forward to. Uh, again, will just will Canberra get their win? No, <laughs> I, I, they won't. In, <laughs> they won't. I don't know Western Western Sydney Wanderers. They haven't had the greatest of seasons, no. but I feel like they'll, they'll get three points in this one. I think yeah, home game advantage. It's Western Sydney well. though. You know, you can't you can't rule out you can't rule out the first win there. Uh, I think the the one that sticks out the most is probably the Perth City game. I know City have been in some good form, but I think it's been a very competitive match. Perth been in great form lately as well, so that'll be that'll be my uh, match of the round. That'll be keeping an eye on for sure. Have you got any wild predictions for the girls, or you're not you're not too up there with like Kieran to make a wild prediction? <laughs> Canberra to beat Western Sydney. Okay. Oh. Here we go. Look, I'm feeling it too, to be honest. I know we just said that Wellington will probably get their win first, but if if Canberra play well enough, I think that that might be the game that they finally get some points. Yeah, and I, I don't know if anything from the men's side can rub off to the women's side. Obviously, that they've had a pretty shocking season, the, the women's side, Western Sydney, only one win this season. But, you know, they're both in pretty, you know, rough patches of form, both sides it'll be a tough game to to predict. But I think if Canberra can get up for a game, it's definitely this one. Yeah, for sure. Before we move on to uh, 
football news across our leagues. We've got here uh, the FFA Cup final. I know we've touched on it so much already, but I think being victory supporters, I'll give G especially one last opportunity to jump in and uh, put his two cents in on how the game went. I know before I hand it over, that 90th plus fifth minute when a certain um, striker found his um, his feet and scored his first goal for, for our blue, white and silver was a brilliant watching. And I cheered so loud for Economides. I was so happy that he'd finally found the back of the net in um, in his new colours. This was a great game. Um, the atmosphere was really good. If, for oh, a you were there, weren't you? Yeah, well, I was, yeah. I was there. Um, for a tournament, it's felt pretty meaningless the, car, the past couple of seasons. Like, unless you're an NPL side, the A-League clubs weren't really taking this too seriously. It felt important this year. It felt like everyone was taking this seriously. Obviously, the victory had a lot of hurdles. There was, like, penalty shootouts that had to go for extra time, and they managed to just scrape their way into this final. And the Mariners did really well defensively mm. in this game. Birigidi made save after save, and it just like it just looked like it just wasn't going to happen for the victory. And finally... Free kick, Davidson, just a beautiful... Birigidi wasn't getting to this one. It was just a great free kick. And it was good to see Davidson step up because the thing with Brimmer, he's had a good season and he has been dangerous from set pieces last year. But I feel like this year he's hit it into the wall too many times. Like he just has not found like that sweet spot at all. And he did it earlier in the first half. He had a free kick not too far from range and he hit smack straight into the wall. So it was good just to change it up a bit of and Davidson go top left and put it straight in the top bins, which is really good to see. And then Oconomedia's just come on the bench. Great goal. Just sealed that game. And that's a great pass from Madrid as well. Just set him up beautifully. It was, it was great passages of play in this game, which is just really good to see. The Mariners just did so well just to try and steady their ship, steady their ship, and they scalped the goal away. And I feel like even though it brought it back to just one goal, it was sort of like a consolation prize. It was too late in the piece. You felt it was just too little too late. But they played very admirably, the Mariners. I felt like they handled the big occasion well. There would have been a lot of players that in that side were probably young and probably you felt might get a bit found out on the big stage, but they were right up for it. And Kyle Rouse played really well. We saw he was a joint best on ground with Jake Brim. And I thought Halls, the centre-back, played really well. Probably played his best game for the season, the youngster. I was going to mention the the joint best on ground, and this is not to take away from Connor in the slightest that he was awarded it. But there were a little bit of, I guess, fan talk on social media once that had been decided. Do we think it was a joint best on ground performance from both Connor and Jake? Or look, and like I said, this is not me downing his performance in the slightest because I, I do see where it come from, but I also don't, if that makes much sense. Yeah, well, I think in terms of the Mariners plays, that was probably the best performance. It was even going to... Kyle Rowles did play well and he had a good game, but I feel like Halls was probably the better out of the defenders. If anyone was going to get it joint or take it outright, it probably would have been Halls. I felt like Grimmer had a good game and had a good impact. And had he probably scored that free kick early in the game, he may have well and truly just taken it outright. And I felt like Rojas was probably up there as well. He had a really good game. And just, I don't know what happened. He just found himself in space so many times in just the wide areas. The Mariners just did not, could not keep with him. I think on on the award front, it's so tough for a losing player to become the player of the match because the obvious argument is that if they played so well, how come this side didn't win? Like that's just that's just so obvious, right? I I like seeing it because sometimes it just genuinely happens where a player plays so good 
and their team it's a team sport at the end of the day like they just can't lift their whole team that much it's almost physically impossible so i can understand the argument from both sides but i love seeing it because there's just an obvious bias when you're awarding the player of the match just go oh whoever won them the game who scored the goal so it was good to see a bit of a mix up there and uh, as jay was saying earlier with the ffa cup to, just to get off topic a little bit it has lost its magic of late i don't know if it's anything to do with covid but I used to love watching it, you know, when you get into the early stages and you're watching these MPL sides just go at it. You've got teams all over the country playing each other and it's just it's just batshit crazy because everything happens. You've got extra time, penalties, injuries, everything. So it really felt, felt like that was this is it, like the Cup's back, the Magic's back, and it'll be a massive tournament come next year. I'm really, really hoping that the Magic is back. Yeah, and just before we move on, I think just to add my my thought on this dual best on ground, I think the game was close enough uh, to be able to award a best on ground in terms of uh, Central Coast's defensive pressure and then victories you know, attacking. That I know the ball was always down there. They probably could have had a couple more goals than what uh, the score suggests. But in terms of the style of play and the intensity, in this instance, I believe it was the right call. But, I, yeah, like you said, I do get where everyone else was coming from. I think that wraps up uh, our big fixture of um, A-Leagues from the weekend. It's so great that we've got more to talk about now, but we've got to move on because we've got lots more football news to touch on to. We'll move forward. No pun intended. We'll move forward to the forward press. Uh, Roy Keane overtakes uh, Paddy Kin. Kiss Nolbo, oh my God, my bloody pronunciation as usual, um, as the favourite for the head coach of the Sunderland job. Uh, what do we make of this one, boys? Yeah, so obviously Kiss Norberg are linked to the Sunderland job. And last week, me, Dom and Kieran were talking about what potential players would come over from Melbourne City and join Patrick up. Yeah. No need to worry about that now. <laughs> my favourite Irishman, Roy Keane, <laughs> it looks like he's coming back to take the reins on. This is such a great story. Obviously, I love Roy Keane. He's had some big takes, obviously, with Sky Sports as a pundit. Um, his friendship and just developed friendship on air with Mika Richards has just been beautiful to watch. Um, yeah, listen, he's a no-nonsense player. He's been known for his aggression. We know that even when he had the part of the Irish camp, he probably, I guess, didn't get along the best with Jonathan Walters and Harry Artar and what players that were key to that Irish setup. And you've just heard stories coming out of where Roy Keane's been managing or assistant managers in the the grumblings and the ups, how he's upset plays. But I think you need that for Sunderland. He, he's a strict man. He, he's a no-nonsense. I think given where they were to a Premier League side or in the third tier, he did a good job when he was there the first time. Obviously, he had a falling out with the, the owner because there was just no ambition. That's He's lost his jobs never due to poor performances, but really just like he had clashes with up the top going, well, I want to kick on here with this side. You're not giving me money or you're not giving me resources. And he just saw the lack of ambitions from the higher-ups. So hopefully now the higher-ups just give him a sh- an opportunity to shine up. The only thing could be more wholesome than seeing Roy Keane come back is Roy Keane come back and Micah Richards be his assistant manager. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is good news for Melbourne City. We're <laughs> not going to be losing their coach anytime soon to England. They're not going to be losing any of their key players with him. Yeah, for Sunderland, just on a team performance <coughs> side, they um they they lost to bottom of the table Doncaster on the weekend. So they are in the mud right now. They're in the middle of a promotion battle, which they've been basically every year. They've been in League One and 
they are, they've just been stuck there, just constantly losing in the playoffs of the promotion. So I feel like a, a, an appointment like this just you can't really go wrong. Obviously, he's got a proven track record at the club, which is massive. And someone like that, just to get the players in line and, you know, want to play for the club, because Sunderland are a massive club. They're one of the biggest clubs in England and they're known worldwide. And to see them struggling in the in the third tier of English football is just it's a real disappointment. So we'll take a bit of work to get them into like an automatic promotion spot or even, you know, winning the promotion playoff. But if anyone can do it, Roy Keane, when you mentioned Mika Richards, I thought he said he's going to come out of retirement because he probably couldn't walk into the starting 11. That would just be absolutely crazy seeing him walk off and do an interview together. I mean, it just the internet would go crazy, wouldn't it? Oh, he's going to reburst onto the scene. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a look over Adelaide United now. Uh, they have signed English midfielder Zach Clough for the remainder of the A-League's 21-22 season. Uh, he'll come in as a second striker uh, pretty much effectively, I would say. I, and I really am looking forward to seeing what he can do for the Reds. He's done so well over uh, in his homeland. He's stayed loyal to the Champion League 1 and League 2. Uh, from 2015, he's gone on to play 68 matches over two years. I think he's scored nearly two dozen goals as well. So he's got a nice little resume behind him and might be that extra bit of oomph, you could say, that Adelaide needs for the remainder of this season. Yeah, well, Halloran's already out the door and Stefan Mork is soon to leave with him. Um, Obviously, Clough is only signed to the end of the season, but being 26, this could be a long-term option for them. I think it's a good piece of business, has a good resume, and he's gonna, you know he's going to be one of those Englishmen that just come to the A-League and adapt really well to the physicality of the league and the speed of the league. I think it's a great signing. Yeah, I think Englishmen have a very good track record of coming from uh, the Championship, League One, League Two, and even the Premier League and, and coming to the A-League and just absolutely tearing it up and even re, you know rejuvenating their careers. So I feel like a lot of people will look at this and say, oh, it's a step down. He's going into early retirement, basically. But I really think he can use uh, Adelaide as a stepping stone to get back into those positions that he was before because... You know, as the track record speaks for itself, you look at some of the Englishmen just bossing the the, the A League right now. It's 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 just you think he's just going to follow that path. So it's good to see. I think it's a good deal from both sides. Much like the uh, Jason Cummings signing from Central Coast. I want to take a look now at football news around the world and pretty much just get this one over and done with. Um, no doubt, I think a lot of people would have seen this, whether you're football fans or not. West Ham United's uh, Kurt Zoma had been caught on video kicking his pet cat to only a couple of hours later starts his Premier League game, which I think was quite ridiculous. Um, I think this will have mixed opinions being a cat, which is so silly because it's still abuse at the end of the day. Um, what do you guys make out of this one? Do you th- I want to pose the question, was him starting the best look on his club or was it the right thing to do? I, it's just, it's such a limbo decision, I'd say, because it's not something you see or hear about all the time. Um, he probably shouldn't have started. I think for PR reasons and just, it just wasn't a good look that it was, a, he, we were expecting him to get reprimanded. The club came out and said, we don't condone this at all. He's an idiot, pretty much. He came out and apologised. He was expecting to at least just... If he was either be benched for the entire game or just not be put in the squad at all and then started. 
And then the thing is just like, well, what's he going to learn out of this? You start him, and then they won. <laughs> anyway, so I think they were just probably happy West Ham, but they got the win over Watford, and that was what the, the most recent talking point was, and they can go out of this mess like relatively harm-free, but it wasn't a really great look that he's doing stuff like that and starting not too far after. I don't get what these professional athletes get. I mean, if you're going to kick a cat, like I love cats, don't <laughs> kick a cat in the first place, but you got someone there recording it and then it gets out like they don't understand. It happens all the time. Like surely someone's got to learn their lesson. But David Moyes comes out and everyone asks him the question, why did he start? And I actually liked his response. He said, that's nothing to do with me. The club will deal with that because at the end of the day, he's playing for us. He hasn't been suspended or anything by the clubs. So if he's available, select him, let the club deal with it. I kind of like the approach because at the end of the day, it's got nothing to do with Moyes. He's just going to pick his best players available. And maybe maybe Moyes likes dogs more than cats. I love cats. You know, my, my cat's like basically my son. So it re- I couldn't even watch the video. I couldn't stomach, you know, I couldn't just couldn't force myself to watch it but hopefully he's lost his Adidas sponsorship which is a lot of money to him so he I, I feel like he'll feel the uh the consequences of this very soon yeah I, I haven't watched the video and I really don't plan on doing it especially if you know not to stereotype if you've got big dom over here that couldn't watch it i don't think my little heart will be able <laughs> to take it i just can't watch it because i have a cat i love my cat like seriously i don't like if i accidentally like step on his tail i'm depressed for the rest of the day so i, I can't stomach it yeah well i think this one we'll just say we'll have to see how things play out it's just yeah one of the stories i didn't think we'd ever have to talk about but it was definitely it definitely made news uh we'll look over now uh we've got another story i guess big enough for the fans who are a a fan of Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, He was dropped. I don't, we could go into a little bit more and I know we will, but to hear Ronaldo drop for the Burnley Manchester United game, um, I guess age is crawling up against him a lot more quicker now. Um, You know, the reason being uh, that the game required a lot of sprinting said uh, Rangnick. So decided that he wasn't the best to start. Um, how much longer do you think boys will see Ronaldo before this keeps becoming an excuse and he decides exactly how long his football career lasts for? Listen, I I'm back in range in this sort of decision. This Ronaldo has been in class and he has saved Manchester United a lot in the group stage of the Champions League. So he's, he's proved his worth. He wasn't big money in terms of the transfer fee, in terms of what Manchester United are capable of spending. They pretty much picked up a world player for peanuts. But... In saying that, I back Rangnick in starting Cavani. Ronaldo is a great player, but the problem with Ronaldo is in this Manchester United setup, he doesn't track back enough. He's a one-way player. When Manchester United are in attack, he's brilliant. When Manchester United don't have the ball, he gets lost a bit and he doesn't really give much, whereas Cavani likes to push back a bit more. So I feel like perfect. Look, Cavani fitted the tactics and was able would be better to exploit Burnley than Ronaldo was, then that's what you have to do. Look, if you need to get wins and you have to drop Ronaldo, Ronaldo shouldn't be untouchable just because of the fact that he's Cristiano Ronaldo. If you're not performing, you're not doing a role that the team requires of you to do, then you're going to have to sit on the bench and let Cavani take this one. And given how many matches are in a season, you'll get your chances more likely than not. Like There hasn't been too many games where Cavani has started and it'd probably be just a one-off and just a horses for courses sort of thing. And I guess Ronaldo can sort of feel justified in the sense of, hey, well, you dropped me and we didn't even win and reversed the team at the bottom of the table. 
Yeah, I hope that uh, lights a fire under Ronaldo because uh, uh, just a side note, I just remembered the video of him kissing the shin pad with the photo of himself on the bench, which is just peak Ronaldo. Like you just, you wouldn't expect it from anyone else. But back to what Ragnik did, I rate, I, I also rate that. I think no one should be undroppable in any sport. I feel like just because of the profile and, you know, how good he's been this season. Absolutely. If he's not doing enough in training or Ragnik thinks he's not going to suit the, the game, Fair enough, drop him because that's how it should be. The manager should be the top guy in charge. The players shouldn't determine who's starting. But if you watch the game, there were so many chances that were blown by United. And you just think if Ronaldo gets behind one of them, it's a goal. United win and we're not even talking about this. So it looked good. But in hindsight, I think you kind of have to bite the bullet and just realize how much of a good poacher Ronaldo is and that's an easy win there if Ronaldo gets, you know, behind any of those chances. We've got one more story before we move on from the segment. This is a nice little feel-good one. Senegal have taken out their first ever African Cup of Nations title against Egypt on penalties. So it was, I think, nearly 120 minutes of, of no scores. It was such a long match. And then uh, on penalties, Senegal took it out. 4-2 and oh, the scenes of it, it was awesome to see um, them finally taking the the final home. Yeah, I felt like Egypt gave a good account of themselves, given if you looked at the comparison of the two sides, Senegal had a really strong side. And I oh know, obviously, Egypt had Mo Salah. When you've got Salah, you've always got a chance because he's just so classy. But I feel like the victors were always going to be Senegal. Egypt did all right, but Senegal had a great tournament, capped it off with the the trophy, which is always nice to see. And I feel like all their stars stood up. Mendy was good between the sticks. And uh, Mane played really well up front. Yeah, so I think... Be- oops, sorry, sorry. No, sorry to cut you off there, G. Um, but <laughs> for Senegal, they're the, I believe they were the last, you know, major African nation to win the Cup of Nations. So you look at all the big guns there. They're the first team. They're, they were the last ones to win it. And you look at the team and it's just absolutely star-studded. So it was very good to see. And then Mane missing the penalty in regular in regulation and then coming back and scoring the winner. Yeah, just absolute scenes. Obviously, the tournament's been a bit outshadowed by a couple, you know, refereeing decisions and, of course, the tragedy that happened at the stadium in Cameroon. So, you know, there's a few things to work on there from the African Confederation, but it's, it's great to see Senegal win. All right, so we'll have a look at some players that are brought in. For once... It's not revolve around people from Scotland. The Aussies from Scotland. <laughs> it's still Europe, but we're brought in out from Scotland. Anwar Mobile Socceroo has secured a loan move to Kasim Pasar, the t- Turkish outfit. Um, good move. Um, he's been frozen out of the squad with FC Michelin, his Danish side. He, he was a good contributor, but this season has just totally been taken out of the side. So I feel like this is good. He needs to get some momentum back. He needs some playing minutes. He's been left out of the Socceroos squad in January just because he just hasn't been playing minutes. And Graham Arnold just gone, you haven't been informing on the squad. I don't know what you're going to bring to the international setup, so I'm going to have to leave you out. So this is a good move to get him back into the Socceroos forward. Hopefully he gets the minutes. He should get the minutes. Turkey, it's a good league. It's come on leaps and bounds in recent years. Um, mm. Obviously, we know the Giants, but the Stichia, Spenabarche, Galatasaray, but I feel like it's gotten a lot more even in recent years. And good move. I can't say add any more than that. Just good <laughs> move. You need to get minutes somewhere, mate. And there's, there's players in lesser leagues that are in the Socceroos squad. But, so I'd love to see him come back. He's a classy player. He brings that bit of X factor. And hopefully, this is the move that gets his 
career back on track of an Aiden Hrustich in Germany. He's come off the bench, the super sub and scored brace and helped him win 3-2. He saw Frankfurt defeated Stuttgart. Great goals, both him from range. He's good from long range. He's dangerous. Normally, a lot of players take shots on from outside the box and they end up over, well over the bar and into the stairs. He finds the back of the net from range. It was just a great performance coming off the bench, making an impact. Uh, he's been in and out of his side and he's starting to assert himself in the Bundesliga, which is like the same. There's not too many Aussies going around at the moment in the top five European leagues. And when they start playing well, you want to get around and get around Aiden Hrustic. I think yeah. we're all sleeping on him a bit. I think we all like to like up and get up around Aaron Moore and Rogic and granted they're good players, but this guy, I reckon, he just goes under the radar with us. He's probably in the best format of all of them. Yeah, and he, he's just such a massive player for the Socceroos when he when he gets out there. He's he's an X factor. He's a genuine X factor. And if they're playing well at club level, it usually translates to a good Socceroos performance. But in terms of Mobile, I was just looking at the uh, UEFA club coefficient rankings, which ranks all the top leagues in Europe and Denmark ranked 19 and Turkey in 20. So it's not too far of a step down or up for Mabil. I think this is just absolutely perfect for him. He's coming back off an injury as well when he wasn't able to get a spot back in the side after that injury and after the the last Socceroos qualifying campaign. So it'll be very, very good to see him back there, a bit of a different change and just, you know, rejuvenate his career. So, you know, we've got two massive players making the news for the Socceroos and hopefully they can turn it around in the uh, next set of qualifiers. With that being said, I think it's time to slowly start wrapping up this week's episode, but we can't leave without, I don't know if saying having a bit of a laugh is the right thing in this instance, but I am laughing with Joel Linton not at him after what he did um, the other night. Unfortunate timing where he slipped and he's managed to kick the ball against his head and he's gone down and I promise you I'm not laughing but I think the effort to have missed the goal and to get your head instead was more impressive than if he got the goal. It's the first time he's hit a target since he's been a Newcastle. (laughs) This guy has been a flop and a half. I'm trying to be good. (laughs) We're laughing at him. Come on, let's be honest. We're not laughing with him. We are laughing at him. This is the second time he's featured in this segment. The first time he features because (laughs) the journalist was like, we didn't actually realise you were actually this good because he hasn't been that great. I forgot about that. We so did talk about this guy needs to sponsor this segment of our show. (laughs) He's he's got to have a shot slipped and then he's kicked the wise on the ground and kicked it (laughs) to his own head and... If there's ever a passage of play that has just summed up Joel Linton's <laughs> tenure at Newcastle, this is it. I'm pretty sure. Look back at Joel Linton's first goal for Newcastle United. I think it was against Tottenham away. He was on the floor slipping and kicking a goal. He, he's got form in his. But Joel Linton but was brought in. I think they paid about 50 million yeah, euros for him or something easy. crazy as a striker. And then it took them about three years to realise this bloke can't play striker. Let's chuck him at centre mid. He's absolutely killed it. He's bossing that Newcastle midfield and he's showing why he's a midfielder right now with stuff like that. But Joel (laughs) Linton, they call him Joel Linton the Geordie. You know, he's a little bit of a meme in England, but I mean, he just doesn't do himself any favours here. And we're definitely laughing at him. He's laughing at himself. We're not laughing with him. Like We just are. Like this This is just grade A bullying, but at least we're honest about it. I laugh about it more that I can uh, like emphasize with it because it's so something I would do. I am the biggest klutz. I don't know 
if I'd be cut on the stage when you need to perform. But, but this guy's a professional. He's a professional <laughs> yeah. athlete. He's getting paid probably 60000 a week to do, to, you know, to at least not kick it at his own head. Like, you've oh. got an excuse. But this guy trains day in and day out. He's dedicated his whole life to it, and he pulls out that. So rightfully so that we're laughing at him. He'll, he'll be staying in his central midfielder position, that's for sure. <laughs> now, if this was his one opportunity to prove why I should give striking a go again, or well, he definitely... <laughs> effed it up let's just say i can't even say stuffed it because it was way more than just stuffing it up <laughs> i think that's it for this week guys looking at the time we've gone a little bit on a muck again but i think that's what happens when the a-leagues finally start giving us games to watch and enjoy and you know despite all the football news around the world we're we're Aussies we want to see our a-league um leagues in action so it's been it's been good all right, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Full 90. I'm Trisha Mepset, joined along with G, Bruno and Don Crenetti this week. We've loved having you again. Looking forward to having Kieran on next week, but um, who knows, maybe if Dom has some predictions to rub in our face, he might be on as a, as a fourth member next week, hey? Like I said, depending on the results, that would depend if I'm here or not. We'll message you Wednesday night and let you know. <laughs> Thanks, guys, and we'll catch you next week.